Okay, what's going on guys? Welcome back to the Totem Podcast. Today we got an, a different room. We're in somewhere, a new place today. We got a very special guest for you guys today. Like always, we got Eric. What's going on, Eric? How's it going? How's it going? We're, yeah, we're, like you said, we're in a different spot. A little, little different, but it's, it's uh, going to benefit us a lot more. Especially when it comes to our special guest here. Special guest, yes, for sure. Uh, with that, uh, help me guys welcome uh, Mr. Uh, future Governor Greg Lopez. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. You know, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited about our conversation today. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time because I'm sure as stuff gets closer to the right. elections, you're getting really busy, really busy going here over there. So I appreciate you taking the time out to to meet up with us and, and oh, make this happen. No, you bet. Look, to your point, right? We are now on the top line for the primary ballot for the Republican Party. And so a lot of people are reaching out and say, hey, we want to know who you are. We want to know what you stand for. And we want to know what you're going to do for our great state of Colorado. So, and that, yeah. that was barely this weekend, right? That, yeah, just the last past Saturday. Okay. Yeah. And then how, how did that all go about? If you, as if far as? Like you, like you getting on the for, the, for the primaries and stuff like that. Were you, were people like seeing you like be there or people like you still got the doubters and stuff? No, like, no, no, no. I mean, you know, so what happened on Saturday, right? 4,730 people got together from across the state. Okay. And we all got a chance okay. to do a 10 minute speech. And then they got to vote. In order for you to get onto the ballot, you got to get over 30% of the vote. And I was the highest receiving candidate uh, for the governor. So that's why I, my name will show up first on okay. the ballot itself. That's yeah. good. That's a good. That's a that's a plus right there for it sure. Right? Yeah. Do they just take into account like the votes you got there, or is just it also the like there. okay? Just the vote at that meeting, which happened down at the World Arena down in Colorado Springs. Okay. Yeah. And nice. was it was anybody invited to like an event like that, or is it like kind of like more private event stuff? Well, probably it? you know it's the Republican Party, right? So it's all the Republican delegates. You could be a guest, right, and be there just to watch and observe. Uh, you know, I had an interview with Telemundo uh, there, um, and so you know everybody can show up. But again, it was the gathering of all the people across sixty four counties for them to vote on who they want to see as the governor for the party. Okay, I like that you just hit the 64 because I actually did a little research. You're the only person that's actually visited all 64 counties, right? Right, you know, we've been out there talking to a lot of people visiting the 64 counties because it's about all of us. You know, it's not just some of us. You know, we got a governor right now that he thinks that Colorado is only nine counties. And those are the counties like Denver, Adams, Arapahoe, and Jefferson. And he really doesn't care about the what's going on in rural I, Colorado. I-25 corridor, yeah, pretty much. It. Yeah, pretty just, much. Just, just the city, but then most of Colorado is made up of, like, rural America. And right. That they don't, I feel, like, take into account yeah. all, all of the stuff like the, the small guys deal with out there. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he, do, he really doesn't connect right with anybody outside of the urban corridor and i truly believe that colorado deserves a governor that understands that he must understand what's going on throughout the entire state yeah because i remember when we're, when we're trying to get this together trying to make it happen i talked to you in a few days ago you're like ray area i don't know yeah. if you guys know where ray is but it's it's a very small town over right. eastern right. northeastern colorado and yeah. it's like it's good i mean that you're actually going out there yeah to the like next week i'll be uh, next tuesday it looks like i'm going to be in kit carson you know talking to people 
So, yeah, I mean, we go to every county to the best of our ability, you know, but right now um, our schedule is getting really, really full. So we got to figure out where we're going to go. That, that's a good thing, though. I mean, that you it got, is a good thing. That, you, that you're pretty booked. You got you got options to go with now. You right. Some, exactly. You know, really, the goal right now is name recognition, right? Uh, people need to go to my website, Lopez2022.com, learn more about me, but also follow us on Facebook, right? And just let people know that hey, there's a guy out there by the name of Greg Lopez. He's running for governor, and I would be the first Hispanic governor for the state of Colorado. And I think it's time. I think the Hispanic people should have a true representation because we're 21% of the population for the state of Colorado. Yeah, we'll, we'll put those links down in the in the description so you guys can, can check them out. But I just want to get the, the obvious out of there. Sure. How, how does, because uh, you're, you're obviously Hispanic, right? so how does a Hispanic join the Republican Party and chooses to run as a Republican? Sure. Because typically it's like, Hispanics, now you can't be Republican, you gotta be like the Democrat. You gotta go right. for the, because that's the culture everyone's ingrained yeah. or grown, grew up with. Exactly. Right? You know, so let me tell you a little story. So, you know, I grew up with, my parents never voted. Okay, my mom and dad never voted. You know, my dad, they, both my parents grew up working in the fields. And so my dad had a sixth grade education. He never really learned how to read and write. And my mom has a 10th grade education, you know, but they taught us boys, stay out of trouble, you go to school, you surround yourself with good people, you know, you believe in the Bible and you pray and you believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and you can live the American dream. So I come from humble beginnings. You know, I don't come from money. I don't come from a great education. You know, I'm just one of us for all of us. I'm just like you guys, right? Just trying to make a living. So when I was elected mayor here in Parker, Colorado, I was elected at the age of 27. One of the youngest, right? I was the youngest mayor elected in the state at the time, you know, and it was wow. a strong mayor. So not only was I the mayor, but I was a city manager. So all the department heads reported to me. So the chief of police reported to me, public works, finance, you know, the attorneys, everyone. And so I learned a lot. And the, the interesting thing is that I was a registered Democrat. I, 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 thanks for touching that. I was going to tell you, like, because I, I was like, I believe you were a Democrat at that I time. Was, I was. You know, I was a registered Democrat, got elected mayor in one of the strongest Republican counties in the state. And so a lot of people were like, how in the world did a Democrat get elected in a Republican county? And it was because, you know, I do what I'm doing now, just talking to people, right, and sharing my ideas. Um, you know, and I would, not that we have a lot of time, but I want to tell you, the Democrat Party, when I told them that I was running for mayor, and they asked me, where are you at? And I said, Douglas County. They basically said, you know what, you're going to lose. They threw me to the curb, man. They said, you know what, they wouldn't even give me $50. I asked for $50, and they said, we're not going to give you anything. Really? Right? Wow. Because uh -huh. we don't think you can win. Of course, I win, and then they start calling, you know, and I told them, I said, you know what, when I needed you, you kicked me to the curb. Left me hanging. <laughs> yeah, now that I'm in, you know, now you want to talk to me. Uh, and I told them, look, I'm not going to be your poster child, you know, and so, but when I got elected, I would go to the schools, and I talked to a lot of kids, you know, from first graders up to high school, and they would always ask me, what party are you, and why? And my answer was always, I'm a Democrat because my mom and dad are. After a while, though, I thought, you know what, that's not a very good answer. I should have a better answer. So I studied the national platforms. I took the Republican platform and the Democratic platform, and I had a mentor on both sides. And after eight weeks, I decided, 
you know, my wife and I, we did what they call the Benjamin Franklin clothes. So basically what it is, you take a piece of paper, you put a line down the middle of it, you put all the issues on one side, you put an R and a D, and then you just check off. You know, how do you believe? Well, I had more checks on the R side than I had on the D side. And so I decided, you know what, I'm a Republican. You know, because I come from humble beginnings. And so when you look at the Republican Party, they want smaller government, right? They don't want to waste money. And so, you know, for me, every dollar matters, specifically when we're paying taxes. And I don't like paying taxes. You know, so the less taxes we can pay, the better it is. You know, so I changed parties after studying the national platforms. I just didn't do it because I felt I should, right? I had a reason. And I'm going to tell you, right? Uh, the Democrats, their hair caught on fire because I was the only Democrat to get elected in Douglas County, right? And the Republicans were like, who is this guy? Is he really a Republican or is he just doing this to get reelected? And, you know, I didn't seek reelection. You know, my wife and I, my wife reminded me that I should be a husband and a father. And so I chose not to seek reelection because my son at that point was four and my daughter was going on two. And so I was spending a lot of time away. But I found a quote that would answer the question, right? Because people say, well, why did you change, right? From both sides. And there's a quote from Winston Churchill. And it goes like this. Some men will change their values and beliefs for the sake of the party. Others will change parties for the sake of their values and beliefs. And that's what I did. And then, so, and when you switched, were, were you the mayor at the time? Like I halfway was a, through, through I was the mayor, a sitting mayor. And, yeah. and then you're just like, hey, you know what? Just kidding. I'm like, you know, I think that's, well, that's now. Thing, right? or how, how did that go about? So in the in the local offices, right? Mayors, city council members, that type of stuff. You'll never see an R or a D next to their name during an election. Okay. Oh, that okay. happens at county levels and higher. So no one, there was no letter next to my name when they voted for me. But if you looked at me, you know, they would say, well, look at him. He's got to be a Democrat. He's Hispanic. And the answer was, yeah, I am a Democrat, you know. And so, you know, from that perspective, you know, when people saw that I changed party affiliations, uh, like I said, a lot of people were worried about what's he doing. But when I explained to them why I did it, then they realized, you know what, this guy's for real. You know, this guy doesn't play politics. He talks about what's going on in his life and how he looks at, at the issues. And so people understood it, right? That, cause I had, an, I had, we could talk about whatever issue they wanted to talk about, right? Uh, capital punishment, a foreign policy, you know, all the, the education in the schools, whatever it was, I could have a conversation with them and explain to them why I feel the certain way that I do. You know, and that way they at least felt like, you know what, this guy understands why he's changing parties. Yeah. I think that's important what you just said. It's like, it's not until like you get higher up in the elections, but like there's no R or D next to the name. Right. Do, do you think that's something that maybe should be considered going down the road? So that, that way people can actually vote on like their beliefs. Or, just because or, or maybe even now, like at the, at the governor. Uh, right, at the governor's stand. race, right? Yeah. Look. I think there is a need for Republican and Democrats as far as party affiliations, right? You got to choose a team. What team do you want to be on, right? But ultimately, regardless of what team you're on, you need to do your own homework. You need to know who these people are. Look, yes, I'm running for governor, but I'm applying for a job. That's actually what I'm doing. You know, I'm applying to be the CEO for the entire state of Colorado. This is the this is the job interview. Here. This is a job interview. Yeah. Exactly. You know, people forget that, you know what, everybody that gets elected, they're public servants. 
They're supposed to listen to the voice of the people. They're supposed to do what's in the best interest of all people, right? Making sure that the quality of life for everyone is getting better. You know, I tell people it's about all of us, not just some of us. So yeah, people need to interview every single candidate and ask them the hard questions, not the easy ones, ask them the hard ones and see what they're doing, you know? Do you think there's a lot of, uh, maybe not just you, but other politicians that say like, I'm a Democrat, or I'm Democratic Party or Republican Party, and it's they say uh, I'm a Republican, so I have to believe like all their values, even though they're not, just to be part of the team. Like you're saying, it's you know what I mean, kind of. You know, I think that's the old mindset, right? They used to believe that hey, if you're an R or a D, you got to agree 100% with their platform, right? And you got to vote 100% with your candidates, right? Uh, I think people today, I think people today are looking at the principles of what these parties stand for. Right. And the issues that are that they're facing every single day. I'm here to tell you that every issue is local. Politics is local. What's going on in Durango and Lamar and Sterling and Craig, Colorado, is not what's happening in Denver, Aurora or. You oh, know, it's completely different lifestyle. Totally different. Uh, right. And so people need to understand that you need to have someone that truly can comprehend what's going on, right? With compassion and empathy. Our goal really is to make the life of every Coloradan better, right? Where everybody can live the Colorado dream. You know, and that's what I'm about. And so I think more and more people are starting to look at, yeah, I'm a D, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican, but I really want the right person. I want the person that's gonna help me and my family live a better life. And then kind of like, Another another kind of topic I wanted to hit, like we're talking about the the parties and stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are, they become uh, career politicians, mm -hmm. and so they make their money being a politician. Right, and that's what it's interesting about you. Like I seen that you were the the director of the SBA. SBA. Right. You were the the, the was the president, president and CEO of the Rock Mountain Minority uh, Supplier Development Council. That's right. The and Chamber the, of Commerce, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. So it's like you got a background of other stuff, like. I don't know if you, I don't know if you're like a career politician. That that's what I'm saying. Because usually, they don't have money. They're a politician now. They're now they're rich. That, right. uh, what's your you take know, on some stuff like that? You know, when I hear that, you know, some people say, you know, Greg, he's a career politician. It's like interesting. You know, the last time I held an elected office, right, that people voted me in, was mayor, and I, I was mayor from '92 to '96. So since 1996, you're 27 now. So yeah. you, you're, I don't, you're, you're not 27 no more, it's right? Been a while. It's been a while. But you, but I'm not. To your point, I'm not a, uh, you know, career politician. I've been involved in politics. I've been involved in issues, right, that impact thousands of people, like the Chamber of Commerce, right, like the director of the United States Small Business Administration. So for seven years, I was the voice and face of small business. I represented 685,000 small businesses across the state of Colorado. And these were black business owners, white business owners, Hispanic, Asian, Native American, veterans, women, everybody. You know. What's what's kind of like the device? You said business owners, right? And you didn't say like white or you know, but it's just everything. Everybody. And what, what about now? You think about like the divisiveness. Now they're just like, oh, either you're this or you're against it. You know, you know Look, what I'm saying? The policies but, that we're seeing today, right? The guidelines. They are looking to divide us, right? It's kind of like divide and conquer, 
right? They don't want the people to have the power anymore. It's like the rich elitists are the ones that want to tell us, you know, how we should talk, what we should say, what we need to eat, how our kids are going to be taught in school, what they're going to learn and what they're not going to learn. It's not what it's about. It's easier to control one, uh, 10 people than 2,000 people. Exactly. You know, and so I think ultimately, right, we need to get it back, right? We, the people, we must remember our country is for the people and by the people. And we only, the, the Constitution says consent of the governed, right? If we don't like what's going on, we got to change it. And right now I'm here to tell you, a lot of people across the state of Colorado are ready for a change. They're ready for a change. How do, how do we change it? What are some of your, your points that you think that, that should be like a must that should be changed? Well, first of all, we got to get Governor Polis out of there, right? So we change him by replacing him with me, right? Someone that truly understands how to govern. Someone that has real experience about the importance of small business, crime in the communities, homelessness, you know, drug addiction. I can tell you one of the biggest issues that I'm gonna tackle is crime. I'm gonna be tough on crime. You know, we can't be soft on crime. You know, when people are, are taking other people's properties or they're hurting other people, we must send them a strong message that you can't be doing that. You know, we're number one in the country for auto thefts here in the state of Colorado. Yeah, Number one happened. in the country, right? Basically what I've been hearing is that every day, every day in Colorado, a hundred vehicles are being stolen across the entire state. Really? A hundred, you know, and it's because we don't prosecute car thieves anymore right we give them now kind of like a little citation it's like a speeding ticket. slap on the wrist and you're good yeah it's like a little speeding ticket right it's like here's your here's your ticket show up to court in six weeks or eight weeks they're not gonna show up right and so they just keep doing this and now there's other rings there's actually coordinated efforts to steal people's cars because they know they're not really going to get in trouble so crime you know when you look at uh finally just yesterday uh, the uh, legislature pulled back on the fentanyl, right? It used to be, you could have up to four grams and not get arrested. Well, because they realized what it was doing to the homelessness and what was going on downtown Denver, now they reduced it back to one. So you have one gram or less, you know what? You're not gonna get in trouble. You get over one gram, now you're gonna be arrested again. Who, and, uh, I don't know if you know some of the stats on it. Who was the most of the users? Like you're saying the homelessness, was that big of the, the, the big people getting in trouble for it or was no, it look, just everywhere? No, everybody. Look, fentanyl was, is causing four deaths every day. Every day in the state of Colorado. Four Coloradans are dying every day from fentanyl. And these are high schoolers sometimes. These are 14-year-olds, 16-year-olds in school. You know, fentanyl is one of the cheapest drug that you can buy. It's $30, $40 a pill, okay? And supposedly it's supposed to give you this great rush. But what I'm being told one time in trying it, and you're hooked, okay? okay. So, it, you know, drugs don't discriminate. You know, people are using it all feelings. over the place. <laughs> drugs don't have feelings. They'll, they'll take it. Right? <laughs> they'll take you. Yeah. Like another thing, since we're like talking about drugs, like, because I know like marijuana is like, it's a big issue still. Right. Like, even though it's just like, it's been legalized for a while. Right. Like, what, what are your like views on it? Well, I can tell you this. I didn't vote for marijuana when they first came on board. You know, I think it is a gateway drug. I'm really concerned about who's using it and the amount that they're using. But it's the law. Here in Colorado, it's a law, right? Uh, but when you look at it, I really believe that we need to relabel how we call marijuana. 
Think about it for a minute. What do we call it? When we talk about marijuana, what do we say it is? It's weed. Medicinal. Okay, but we call it recreational, right? Yeah. It's recreational marijuana. Right, recreational sounds like you're gonna <laughs> go, go to the park and go, and go play some basketball or something. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, and that's what the kids think, right? It's recreation. We need to call it what it is. It's retail, right? You got to go to the store. Now, here's the other thing: because we've legalized it, we have a lot of illegal grows in the state of Colorado, specifically out in rural Colorado. Okay, so we have the cartel. We have the black market that's here. Okay, so everybody thinks, well, we legalized it. We're going to get rid of the black market. We're going to, no, you didn't get rid of anything, right? And so what was doing, and the one thing that I'm really concerned about is water, the water in Colorado, okay? Growing marijuana, it's one of the plants that requires the most water to keep it alive, okay? And so, you know, while I don't support it, you know, personally, it is part of the, uh, industry that we have here in Colorado and you know they pay a lot of taxes you think that's a big thing why they, they kind of became legal the taxes yeah that's exactly why they approved it right they were chasing the money you know they weren't thinking about the long-term effects you know and even now people can't figure out where's all that marijuana money going you know the state's collecting did you know it's a cash business if you sell marijuana you can't have a bank account you can't put any of that money in a bank why? Because it's still illegal at the federal Federal, level. Federally. Right. And who, where do the banks get their charters from? The federal government. So they have a stash in their couch? I don't know where they're doing it. It's hard to keep track of. Yeah, that's why no one knows clearly, right, how much money is being generated by it. So then it kind of goes, it kind of contradicts what they were trying to do. They're trying to get tax money from it, but then if it's not actually registered with everything, then how do they know how much was there? There's two sets of books, right? There's really no way to track how much it got sold, right? And so there's two sets of books, right? One that they say, here's what we sold, right? And this is what we're going to give you, the state. But we don't know whether that's exactly what they sold or not. In reality, they, they kind of like them. on the honor system. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so, you know, when it comes to marijuana, look, we got to be careful um, because it is impacting our kids, you know. And even now, people are driving under the influence of marijuana. You know, I had a, a buddy of mine. He's probably 65, and he just got in a car accident on Saturday, this past Saturday. Really? And the guy was under the influence of marijuana. Wow. Yeah. You know, so, and you guys know, look, marijuana stays in your system for up to 12 days, you know? At least, yeah. 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 You know, and and a lot of these people are having a hard time getting jobs because they can't pass the drug test. I mean, think about it. Bus drivers, right? Uh, people driving RTD buses, or if you're working with heavy equipment in the construction industry, we don't want anybody to be under the influence of marijuana. You know, we want them to be doing their jobs and stay focused, right? With stuff like that, because then, uh, I guess not to the level, but smoking and mm-hmm. tobacco and stuff, that thing kind of, you know, yeah. it relaxes, it alters your state of mind. Yeah. So, I mean, and then people still work like that, like driving yeah. machinery and stuff yeah. in the construction. Yeah. So, do you think that should be maybe? <laughs> Look, people need to make good decisions, right? I mean, we can't control what people decide, but we can hold them accountable to the fullest extent of the law if they harm somebody, right? Yeah. We can't just say, well, he was under the influence of marijuana, so we should give him a break. Uh-uh. You know, they've decided to make a bad decision, right? we got to hold them accountable for those bad decisions. We're not going to tell them what they can and can't do, but if you get caught doing something and it hurts somebody, 
you know, then we're going to hold you accountable. That, that's one of the biggest things I feel like right now. People aren't being held accountable for what they're doing. Like they're for for if it goes from like from to the civilian to the like all the way through, all yep. the way up the food chain, you know, it's yeah. people are not being held accountable. They're not. You know, and our society has shifted, right? The way the younger generation's thinking, the way corporate America is thinking. I mean now you can't even say something that if, if you say something that your boss doesn't like, you can get fired. Right? What happened to the First Amendment? You know, what it's happened gone. to freedom of speech? Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Do you, and then now, now that you just said that, so do you, what's your take on the media? Because the media, they kind of, they get it and then they put out whatever they, what benefits them. So Look, what would... The media no longer is really reporting what it should, right? Now it's kind of like an opinion piece. It's no longer about the facts, right? True journalism, and you guys remember this, right? The five W's. Right? That's true journalism. Who, what, where, and why, and how. Right? Report that. Yeah. Let us decide. Right? Just give me the facts and then yeah. let me do my own research too. Like Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. Instead, they'll, you know, like right now, right? Uh, they always start with something negative about me. Right? Before they mention my name, but this is the guy that did this. This is the guy that said this. It's like, <laughs> if it well, leads, it leads. <laughs> that's that's right? what it is. Right? Exactly. So the media, I want to tell you, it's about half truths. It is so hard today to find the real truth because they're not going to give it to you, right? You got to connect. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Where do I find the other half of the truth or where do I find more of the truth? And you got to go out there and look for it. The problem with people now, it's just they're late. People, they're lazy. So it's just like they just see a headline. Lopez did this or right. this person did this. And they don't read the whole article and they're just like, and then they get on their social media. It's so easy. And then they just start bashing. Exactly. You know, and what we need to do is remember, we're brothers and sisters, you know? We're all created under the same creator. We all bleed red. I don't care what you believe, right? But we are brothers and sisters. And so what we need to do is respect each other, right? That doesn't mean we gotta agree with each other. Just respect each other. Look, I have brothers and I have a sister, right? We disagree, you know, and we get mad at each other. But at the end of the day, we still love each other, right? We don't call each other you know, bad names and then not talk to each other for years or look at each other and say, oh, you're a monster. We got to get back to understanding, look, it's okay to disagree. You know, let's agree to disagree, but that doesn't make us bad people. There's a saying that, that, I, that I've heard before. It says if two people are in a room and they both think alike, one of them's extra. Like, you need people to have different, Challenge. you need people to be like, hey, we should try this or we should do this. Because yep. if you think the same, then it's like, yeah. it's just a downhill, down, down spiral. Down well, that's spiral. what they call it, you know, they, they equate a lot of people with sheep or lemmings, right? A lot of people say, well, you know, it's a bunch of sheep. What does that mean? It's like, they just follow each other. Right. They really don't know any better. Right. And lemmings, mm -hmm. same thing, you know, and the lemmings, you know, lemmings will drown themselves and people, I mean, the rest of the lemmings will follow them into the ocean. Right. Without even thinking. And so this is what we need to do. Right. Is it's, that happening today? Yeah. <laughs> like if you, if you, if you kind of see it like in perspective, is that stuff happening today? Everyone's just following the crowd because nobody wants exactly. to stand up and say anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this happened when, you know, when the whole so-called pandemic occurred, right? All of a sudden overnight, everybody was wearing a mask. Even though a lot of people are telling those masks don't help. They don't stop the virus. 
the virus is so small, it's going to go right through your mask. And I tell people, and science has proven this, right? So this mm -hmm. is not an option. Oh, yeah, it has. Science yeah. has Pl shown. Plenty yeah. of research. Research it up, guys. Yeah. Exactly. So I tell people, look, imagine for a minute, you take a handful of BBs and you throw them through a chain link fence. How many of those BBs are going to go through, right? 99% of them. And that's exactly what the mask does, right? The particles are so small, you know, that the inner weaving of the fabric is still big enough for these things to go right through. And think about it. If, in fact, it really stopped the virus, then you're wearing an entire mask full of the virus itself. They, and they don't tell us how to get rid of it, right? They don't even tell you to wash it. Just keep wearing it. Just keep wearing it and put it back in your pocket. Most of the people, they just they would get it, they would go to the store, they hang it in their car, and yeah. they have that same mask for a couple of weeks. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. yeah. Until it falls apart. I, I, I like how you just like brought up like the topic of like the, the so-called pandemic. Like, right. If you were governor during that time, how would Colorado... Would it look different than it would, what it went through? It how, would have how, looked how, be, completely because different. Because you worked, you're, so you were part of the, you're the director of the small business. Right. And I'm sure you know small businesses got crushed. Oh, yeah. Demolished. Look, like I told you, I'm the former director of the United States Small Business Administration. There were 685,000 small businesses that he shut down overnight with a stroke of a pin. And 40% of them are gone. They're just gone. You know, so when he tells you he was saving lives, he was really destroying families because small business owners borrow their money from their equity of their home or they use all their savings or they borrow from friends and family because they want to live that dream. You know, they cannot afford to be shut down for 30 days or 60 days at all because their bills don't stop. You know, they still have to pay, you know, their space. They still have to pay employees. They still have to do all kinds of things, you know, and being a small business owner does not mean that you're rich. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you're a small business owner. You must have a lot of money. No, that's not true. What it means is that they work a lot of hours. Right? Got a lot less time. <laughs> right. You know, they're trying to build something so that at some point they can either sell the company or they've saved enough money that they can actually retire comfortably but they want to be controlled of their own destiny. And I'm here to tell you as a small business owner, my wife and I, you know, we've been small business owners for over 20 years. I used to have a little bar restaurant. Okay. I know how tough it is, right? To make money in a restaurant. The margin is about four to 5%. So for every dollar that someone gives you, you can hope you can you get a four nickel. to five pennies. You got a nickel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. From that dollar, right? Because you got to pay your employees, you got to buy the food, you got to buy the liquor, you got to buy insurance, you know, you got to buy all this other stuff. So a lot of people think, well, you must be rich. No, you know what? It's just a matter of volume, right? The more you sell, the more nickels you can save, and those types of things. But you're in control, right? As to how many of those nickels you can actually make. Yeah. Versus someone capping you and saying, okay, I'm only going to give you so much. Show up at eight, go home at five. And that's a trade-off. Yeah. yeah. So what would have been a better way, you think, to handle the pandemic? Like maybe restrict yeah. some stuff? Well, or? I never would have shut down the state. Never would have shut it down. And the reason being is because, look, what happened in Denver was not happening in Cortez or Durango, right? What was happening in Denver was not happening in Lamar. And so when you look at the totality of this thing, were there things we should have been concerned with? Yeah. You know, I'm here to tell you I would not have panicked. The governor panicked because he didn't know what to do. So he panicked and he hid behind Fauci. 
They said, well, we're going to follow the science. Fauci says we got to follow the science. So let's follow the science. Just pretty much almost like every other, pretty much every governor pretty much did, there right? There was the Republican governors that never shut down, right? South Dakota never shut down. Florida, Florida shut down for a little bit, but never Texas. completely, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Texas. So they were monitoring there, was watching this, right? And if you follow the science for about the first six months, the only people that were dying were 75 years and older. And they had underlying conditions. So people in high school, in the elementaries, the science showed they're not going to get impacted by this, right? Yet we shut down all the schools, and then when we opened them, we had to have them wear masks. So they never really followed the science. You know, I'm going to govern with a steady and measured hand. I'm not going to have knee-jerk reactions when it comes to passing laws or doing executive orders. Because when you do that, you know, you're basically flying around like a kite. The wind's pushing you, you know, and that type of stuff. That's not who Greg Lopez is. Do you think that has to do something with, like, your background in the military? Just being more just calm, cool, and collected? It's a combination, you know. I mean, um, you know, growing up in humble beginnings, right, we never had enough money to do anything crazy, right? So we always were very prudent how much money we spent, right? I was in the military, so that learned I learned discipline, right? Learn how to look into the future. Look how things really work, right? Don't just have a knee-jerk reaction. Think about it. In, a, in a times of crisis, right, the people that survive are the ones that slow down and look at what they really need to do, right? Those that don't survive are the ones that go running around like crazy, you know, trying to get all kinds of stuff. Like the, people, like, the, the saying, like running with their heads, like a chicken with his head cut off. Exactly, right? Yeah. Think about it, right? There were people that were going to the grocery store to buy all the toilet paper that they could. Remember? It's yeah, like, oh, yeah. You couldn't find yeah. toilet paper. It's like, well, you guys need to slow down, man. So, they bring it out and then like everybody attacks the, right? the toilet paper just, just yeah. to get something. Right. So that was a panic, right? It's like, really? Of all the things you're going to go after is toilet, toilet paper? Toilet paper, yeah. You know, instead of other things. So, you know, I think it's, it's a combination. You know, the Lord's given me this personality that says, look, don't panic review everything, make good informed decisions. When my wife, Lisa, of 34 years, when we were a young couple and we wanted to save money, we always asked this question, is it a need or a want? If we wanted to get something, we'd ask, is that a need or is that a want, right? And even though there were times where we said, yeah, that's a want, right? That's okay as long as you know why you're spending it, right? If it's not a need, you know, or if it is a need, then focus on that. It'd be simple things like, okay, we need a couch and we're saving for a couch, right? But we want to go to a concert. Okay, so which one do you want, right? What's really going to be the important thing? Do you want to go to the concert and sit on the, on the, on the, on the, ground, <laughs> on the ground for a couple months? <laughs> right. <laughs> or something, you know. Exactly, yeah. right? So is it a need or a want, right? And so that's what I'm saying about having a knee-jerk reaction. You got to ask yourself those questions to make good informed decisions. Do you think kind of like the government also kind of made like a a knee jerk uh, decision yep. or on uh, like stimulus yep. stuff, have it just handing stuff out to people? Yeah. Look, you know what? They they were first of all they created the problem, right? Remember who shut down the country? You know the elected officials, right? And people were like, hey, we're going to do this, so they shut down the economy. Now government never makes money. Government takes money. Think about that for a minute. Yeah, government definitely. never makes a single dime. They take money away from us, right? So when they're going to spend more money, it doesn't come out of the sky. It comes out of our taxes, 
right? And we always have to be paying for it. So yes, it was a knee-jerk reaction. They created the problem, and then when they realized we're creating problems, here's what they tell you. We created the problem, and we're gonna fix it, but we need more money. So well, why did you create the problem to begin with? And you know? where, where do they get more money? Right? Yeah, they just print it. Because the federal government is the only government that can print money, you know? And so you got the Federal Reserve and you got, you know, they're just throwing money into the market. And that's why we have inflation. Today, that's why we have inflation. Because of all the stimulus checks that got sent out there, right? There, are, There's too much money circulating out in the market and there's not enough products and services being produced. And so right now, inflation is at 8.5%. That was from a year ago. What does that mean? That means everything's costing you eight cents more. Now, I don't know of anybody that got an eight and a half percent raise. Especially so, coming out of the pandemic, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. People are just trying to get people are just jobs ha- Some people are just happy that they got jobs. Exactly. It's like, pretty sure you're not gonna still be like, I'll take this job, but you know, I was making 15, I want 20. Yeah. They're gonna be like, yeah. Hey. I mean, talk to the ladies out there, right? The, the ones that do the shopping what it costs to buy a, a package of bacon, you know, how much those prices have gone up, you know, these gas prices, everything gets delivered by truck, everything, every single item that we buy gets delivered by truck, right? Mm-hmm. And so whether it's diesel or regular gasoline, the prices has gone up, they're not gonna eat it, they're gonna push it down to the consumer. Yeah, the the, 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 the inflation stuff's going through the roof. Do you think it can get, how, how do we control that? Do you think there can get a point to, or can we control it? Like, uh, was it uh, Venezuela? When the, the, you're gonna have, you have $10, uh, just kidding now, you don't got 10, you got $4 right. now. No, you know what, I think, look, the market is gonna have to correct itself, right? It's capitalism. But here in Colorado as governor, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna encourage people to buy Colorado, right? Buy from ranchers, buy from farmers, go to the farmer markets, right? And it's even healthier too. Yeah, let's try to keep this within the boundaries of our state, right? Let's help each other. And so I'm gonna be talking to the oil and gas industry about producing more gas for the state of Colorado. Not producing more gas to send out to Texas or Florida or anywhere else. Keep the gas here in Colorado. And if we as a state have to buy the excess gas to bring the price down, let's do that, right? Because right now the price of gas is hurting the poor. It's hurting single moms. Certain people that are really struggling just to make ends meet. It's hurting rural Colorado. You know, that is really hurting rural Colorado because they drive 30 minutes to go to the grocery store, not five. You know, they take 20 minutes to take their kids to school, not seven. You know, so their gas yeah. prices are really impacting. Yeah, that's a, that's pretty... I mean, it's just, it's getting out of hand, I, in, my, in my opinion. It's getting, it's getting a little bit out of hand. But then kind of, kind of too with the, like the stimulus I was telling you, like, and the people getting unemployment, stimulus and all that stuff, completely understandable. People do need help, but for how long? Well, that's just it, right? I mean, look, we, had to, we gotta have a safety net, right? But we can't keep giving it out there. I would say, you know what? There's so many unemployment, uh, there's so many opportunities right now for jobs. You go anywhere. Right. And you see a help wanted sign. Right. I think, you know, the most that anybody should get, it'd be the 13, 16 weeks, you know, but you must be looking for work. This is not you you get to sit at home, play games or watch movies for 13 weeks. You know, we got to get people to understand we're government is not here to solve your problem. Government is here to make sure that the most needed, the most vulnerable 
are being held. And if you, for some reason, lost your job, yeah, you know, businesses are the ones that are paying the unemployment insurance. It's not government, right? It's small business. And so we need to understand that, you know what, we got to get people back into the workforce. That's where they get their dignity. That's where they feel value because they're providing for themselves. And so we got to stop these, these handouts and these entitlements, right? People need to understand, hey, you're not entitled to anything. When you say I'm entitled to something, no, you're not entitled to anything. You got to work for it, right? Yeah, or earn exactly. it. Yeah. And then what also with like the food stamps, there's people, I personally know people, there's, they literally live on food stamps their whole life, yeah. most of their lives. So it's like, like we said, for how long? There should be like a metric, some sort of metric, like unemployment, okay, you got, what, right. what is it, six months? Okay, they, I feel like it should be something like that. Yeah. You got it for six months, cool, you know, you're not, we're not gonna be able to help you for the next two years, because you no. got it for six months already. The budget for the state of Colorado is 40 billion, 40 billion dollars for the state of Colorado. And I'm here to tell you 40% of that is fraud, waste, and abuse. Because it's so easy to spend other people's money. Right? And it's, so, it's nicer too. When right? you gotta take money out of your own wallet, you're like, uh, do I really need that? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, you got bureaucrats and the most powerful people in government are not the elected officials. The most powerful people in government are the bureaucrats. The ones that are setting the rules, the ones that are filling out the paperwork, the ones that are telling you know, families, don't worry about it, right? We're gonna increase your food stamps. Don't worry about it, have another child. You'll get more money, right? Don't get another job because if you get another job, then you're no longer gonna be able to qualify. Those are the most powerful people. But we need to make sure that we shrink government and only help those that truly, truly need it. Because, like doing something like that, how do you control it? I guess, like, because it, like, because it's, uh, I mean, well, it's hard. You know, it's, it's president Clinton controlled it when he was president. How did he control it? He said, "Look, if you're on welfare, you must be looking for a job, or you better be received training. You better be going to a trade school. You better be learning something. You know, because we're going to cut you off, right? And slowly, right? Instead of saying tomorrow you're off of the program, you know what? After three weeks or a month." Instead of getting 100%, you're gonna get 80%. So the longer it takes for you to find a job, the less and less you're getting, right? That's an incentive, right? If you know that, hey, my check's gonna get smaller and smaller and smaller, so if I wanna live my quality of life that I believe I should have, then I gotta go out there and compliment what I'm getting, right? Getting people back to work. That's what it's all about, you know? What, what, what do you, like try to implement that with something here because it's good. Obviously, if people are not getting a job, it's because they're probably, maybe because they're not looking for a job, but then they're not educated enough. So maybe like, hey, we'll keep helping you, but you gotta be doing something. Exactly. Some sort of training, you're going to school or something. Well, let me tell you this. I mean, our public school systems are failing our kids. You know, they're not teaching our kids anymore. You know, I was just heard the other day that in Denver, third graders can't even read at the third grade level. Third graders. Why, why, is, why, why do you think that's happening? Because they're not teaching them, right? They're talking about all this feelings. How do you feel, right? They're not giving homework. They're not forcing them to read books. It's all about how do you feel today? You know, it's all this feeling this stuff, right? The, the numbers show this. Fourth graders, okay? 60% of our fourth graders in the state of Colorado cannot read at the fourth grade level. What does that mean? Six out of every 10 fourth graders cannot read at the fourth grade level. 50% of them can't do math at the fourth grade level. 
So five out of 10 fourth graders can't do their additions and divisions at the fourth grade level. And yet none of them are held back. Fourth graders become fifth graders, fifth graders become sixth graders, and we're crippling them because all they wanna do is pass these kids through. And so we do have generations where they're feeling that they can't be successful, you know, and they feel a little embarrassed and they feel a little shame because they're being passed, you know, and the next teacher thinks they know how to do math, they know how to read, they know how to do this stuff, and truly they're not. And so we need to make sure that we start teaching our kids because if we want a, a good communities, good solid communities, our kids need to be able to understand how to provide for themselves. Do you well, think it, it? I was going to say one thing that could also like affect like younger kids is when they went like after the pandemic, like reopened or whatever, they started to go back to school with masks, but then a lot of them couldn't like see like the words coming yeah. out of the teacher's mouth. They couldn't like form right. their like the, the sounds and syllables, so that could have also... Of course, look, facial expression, right? This is how you learn, right? You, you mimic, right? Think about it. You know, we all learn by watching others, right? On what you should do, what you shouldn't do, along with instruction. And with the mask, you know, we took a huge component out of that learning process. You know, the mental health issues that our kids are struggling with, suicide, in the high school level is through the ceiling because you got depression, anxiety, isolation, you know, and all this because this so-called COVID, right? And even when they brought up the vaccine and they were saying, this is gonna help, people are still getting sick. Even today, people are still getting sick, right? Look, we got make good informed decisions. I have a strong believer as a governor, I'm gonna let the people decide what they believe is in the best interest of their families their business and their friends. You know, we'll caution them. We'll give you, hey, just be careful. We're not gonna put restrictions and mandates. Under the Lopez administration, we will never do that. Kind of going back to what we were talking about, the school with the kids and the and, and the teaching and all that stuff. Do you think also us as parents, because I'm a parent, I'm a parent, us as parents also are failing our kids because I feel like a lot of parents just wanna throw them to the school and then it's a daycare. Right. And then they complain that their kids aren't learning anything, but then it, say if the school's like, okay, you want a better school? Because this is public school that's, that's mm -hmm. from the government. You want a better school, you can, you can pay for school, but then they don't want to pay either. And then another thing too, that the maybe the wages might be, they're not educated enough, maybe the teachers. Right. Like and like you're saying, they're, they're just there for a paycheck and then just go ahead and pass them on to the next grade, you know. Yeah. They're, they don't want, they don't no, want the I, backlash. I think there is a combination of that, right? Parents don't get involved in the schools because they allow teachers, right? They, they bought into this narrative that the teachers are doing the right thing. Teachers are they, teaching. They know best. Exactly, right? If there's one thing that came out of this COVID thing is that people started to realize, wait a minute, what are you teaching my fourth grader? What are you teaching my eighth grader? You know, I don't believe in that. You know, so at least they got to look into it. But teachers, I mean, parents must get involved in the education of their kids. The most precious gift that a parent can give their child is a good education. You know, and that includes just common sense, right? Along with book smarts. You know, so requiring homework, right? Being involved in the schools and saying, what are you are teaching my child? What's he gonna learn in the fourth grade? You know, how is he gonna get better for the fifth grade? So when it comes to public schools, as governor, I'm gonna bring school vouchers into the state of Colorado, which means the money that we've set aside for a child will follow the child. So you as a parent, 
you get to decide whether you want them to go to the public school, you want them to go to the private school, you want them to go to a religious school, wherever you believe your child will get the best education, that money will follow that child. So when you say, well, the tuition is $9,000, okay, well, we're gonna give you that 8,200 and some odd dollars. We're gonna give it to the institution. You just gotta make the difference, right? Again, helping people make sure that their children are not stuck in a public school system that's failing them. That, the, the, it, it, it's good. It's a good idea like that, that I'm listening to you say. But the, the, the problem I see with, like, with people, because I see it all the time, like, like, the, like places that are more poor and stuff, they'll see that. It's like tax, tax season's coming through. So they'll be like, they're going to give you a six grand back, you know. Right. They, they should be like, okay, well, you owe 20 grand on your car. We're just going to get those six grand and we're going to push it to your car. Right. And the people are like, no, give me that money. Right. And it's like the same thing. Like, oh, here's eight grand for your kid. They'll be like, no, give it to me and I'll pay it. Right. And they never and will. Yeah. And they never that? will. Yeah. That's the like, problem I see right away. People like right away. No, no, no. The green lights right. are like, hey, free me. money. Yeah. Free money. Let's no, get trust it. Me. We're going to make sure that the parents don't touch the money. Right. It's going to go to the school so they get to say hey i want my child to go to this school okay right enroll them and we'll funnel the money to that institution because you're absolutely right look we're not, you put money in somebody's hand you just have no idea what they're going to do with it right so yeah we're going to make sure that you know it goes to the education of our kids that's the important thing look when we educate our younger generation you know, and we, we encourage our, our young men and women to have dreams that they can achieve, right? To be proud of themselves. Here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna have less crime. The population in, this, in the prison system is gonna go down. Cause I'm here to tell you 80% of the population in the prison systems don't have a high school a diploma. They don't. Their right? education, their yeah, educations. Exactly, right? And so when we start making that shift, it's gonna take a while. But we will be able to come back, you know, and have people truly believe that they can live that American dream or that Colorado dream. I think it all starts with the education. This morning I was listening to to, to a podcast and they're talking about uh, a young kid. By the time he's 18, he's heard over like 600 times more the, the no or negative stuff right. towards them. Yep that's in a, like a more poor home yeah. and as it gets like increases once they're like the top three percenters or whatever those they hear it, positive stuff and yes like a hundred times like it's completely opposite right look as as a community right our communities we don't have communities anymore you know we have broken families we got to fix that as well you know when a child is raised by a mom and a dad the percentage of them not living in poverty goes up by 60%, okay? Because they see a strong family structure, right? They're not only guided by their mom, but they're also guided by dad, right? The disciplinary ones, right? To say, hey, you're not gonna do this, right? You're gonna go apologize. You're gonna do it right, right? You're gonna help me in the yard. You're gonna work with me, right? And what, when you have broken families, you don't have those role models. What we need to do is we need to understand that we all have a role to play. Whether we have kids or don't have kids, we should always be talking to our nieces, our nephews, and guiding them and sharing them. You know what? Don't do that. You know, when I grew up, it didn't matter whether it was my dad or mom that caught me doing something wrong. If it was an adult, I was getting in trouble, right? They would say, don't do that, right? They would stop you, you know? Quit throwing rocks at the, at the windows or quit hitting the baseball over here, right? They would guide you through this. We need to do that again.
right? We need to help everyone understand the importance of accountability and being responsible for your actions. You know, and if you do break a window, guess who's going to go fix it, right? Uh, or maybe you're going to have to take your allowance and pay for it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Those types of things. Yeah, now when you're saying that, now I just picture people, they see something's going on, they just flip their phone out, let's record. Exactly, right? Let's that, just do a video. Because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's what people people want to do, you know, then put it up on Facebook or show it, you know, it's right. funny. Yeah. And, and so it's... it's uh, pretty crazy how, <laughs> how stuff's been going so we, we were talking earlier uh before we started uh about uh the immigration mm-hmm. of what's, what's going on now because uh it's not just people because people like to think that immigration oh it's just mexicans right. coming over no but it's um i think you were saying it's like uh 40 mm-hmm. is just mexicans yeah but then the other percentages Com- from everywhere else yeah it's coming from other countries so how, how how's one way that we can control it look a lot of people don't even know this okay America, we allow over 1.1 million people to come in here every single year, legally. We do more than any other country across the world. So we recognize we are a land of immigrants. We just want people to do it correctly, right? And so I think what we need to do is make sure that not only do we bring people in correctly from the southern border, but make sure that they're not being used like mules, right? They're not being abused by the cartel. Or los coyotes. Or right? the sex trafficking and all exactly, that. Exactly, right? That we that they're being treated correctly, right? And so, you know, a lot of people say, well, Greg, you know, it's wrong to put a wall. We've always had a wall. It was an invisible wall. They knew exactly when they were in Mexico and exactly when they were in the United States, right? Now they're abusing that privilege. And now we're escorting them. Right. Instead of really helping them make sure that they have a job, make sure that they're coming here for the right reasons. Right. Why not help find out why Mexico can't create their own economy over there? Right. Why aren't they creating jobs over there? And we know the reason It's because it's corrupt. Right. Their government is corrupt. You know, everywhere you go. Right. Uh, you got to make sure that you're taking care of somebody. Right. La mordida. You guys have heard of that? Oh, yeah. Plenty of times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and again, you know, we got to help those countries be more successful by either giving them, you know, the right information and knowledge on how to build their economy. Because a lot of people are just coming in here because they want to have a better life. It's not that they really want to live in America. They just know that if they stay in Mexico, they're not going to be able to provide for their families. And this is what really what it's all about. And then, but a lot of people also like immigrating, like they're coming from the Mexican border, right. but they're not all Mexican. No, 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 no. They're, they're coming from Haiti. They're coming from other countries. Why? Because they know that border is very porous, right? We're not necessarily telling anybody you can't come in here, right? They're just coming, right? And so this is where we're, we're not a nation anymore when we don't have borders. When our borders are open, you know, we really can't control, you know, how many people are coming in. Because look at the impact that it just has, right? Transportation corridors, the food supply, housing, clothing, our educational system. You know, right now, if you go to Aurora, I think they have like 18 different languages that they're trying to teach within the school district, right? Because wow. you have a lot of kids from a yeah, lot of I, different countries. I heard, yeah, I heard it was over 20, yeah. honestly, yeah, if not that. This is wow, crazy. crazy. I didn't, that I is didn't, crazy. Yeah. I didn't think about that. that I mean, there would be that much, you know. Yeah. So, but, so like when, like still, still like on immigration, like what what would you do with like the people that are already here? That like they because a lot of them like 
they were a lot, a lot younger when they came over here. So they, they didn't have like a choice. They've so. been over here for like 15, 20 years, some of them. Look, you know, you're talking about the DACA, right? The DACA kids. Or they were little when they, their parents brought them. Okay. Well, first of all, we first must recognize that, yes, they had no choice, but their parents did. Their parents made a conscious decision. They knew exactly that they were breaking the law, right? They were taking a risk, and I don't blame them. You know, I don't blame them for taking a risk, but they must become citizens correctly, right? I'm not in, interested in just rallying everybody up and sending them back, right? If you're here and you got a job and you're providing and you're staying out of trouble, then you know what, let's work on making you a citizen, okay? Or if you don't wanna be a citizen, let's make sure we work on giving you the right work permits so you don't have to be looking over your shoulder. But if you create a crime, if you start selling drugs, if you start hurting people, you're out of here. I don't care who you are, right? Because we have to separate the good from the bad, okay? And there are bad in every situation. Now, as it would change to the DACA kids, imagine this for a minute. Imagine if we told them, you know what, specifically those that are in school. You get a high school diploma, right? You stay in school, you graduate. Imagine as you're crossing the stage, you're also getting your citizenship, right? Yeah. So you take your SAT, you take your citizenship exam, right? You pass both. You're going to be a citizen by the time you walk across that stage. Not only did you get your diploma, but now you're a citizen. But that doesn't apply to your family. Okay. Now, as a citizen, you need to help them. You know, your mom, your dad, your grandpa, your tios, your tias, whatever. But we do have to have immigration reform. It shouldn't take 15 years to become a citizen, right? We need to make sure that we have a process by which if people want to become citizens, they can. You know, have you guys ever heard of the red card program? The red card. Red card? card? No, okay. I haven't. So there's a program that was introduced years ago by Newt Gingrich. And actually, um, he wasn't vice president yet, but he was Senator uh, Pence. This is a red card, okay? And this is what it was designed to do. So people that want to come into work, right? We would have placement agencies at the border, right? So you would go to this placement agency. You would say, hey, I want to work in construction. But like, okay, what do you do, right? Yeah. I can do painting, I can do drywall, or you know what, I need to learn. They would match you up with a company. So it's kind of like the workforce kind of. Exactly, right? They would match you up with a company. The company would then sponsor you, right? They're responsible to making sure that you stay out of trouble, right? Making sure that you have a paycheck and all those types of things. But at least we know who's in the country, right? And if they should leave the sponsor, the sponsor notifies the government, hey, they left. Okay, you know what? We gotta find these people, right? Because they came here to work, right? There's gotta be rules. There's gotta be processes, you know? And it's not gonna be over the top. We just wanna make sure that we're taking care of everybody. The biggest thing that I see is like, like we're saying, government, they like money, they like take money. Mm -hmm. So it's like, those people, they've already, been, say they're here 10 years or whatever, maybe not just under doc. They're here working instead of you don't think i'm just looking at it from like outside perspective you don't think it'd be better give them some sort of work permit so that way they can fill out taxes and get tax money because a lot of them just get paid under the under the table you know well, so there's no tax look, there's no tax money on that yeah but let me ask you this most americans pay taxes right 
Some, most, most, <laughs> most, yeah. Say 40%. I mean, the number is 40%. Yeah. Okay. Like me, I pay taxes. I get nothing from the government. Nothing. Yeah. Right? It's not like, what will you, if you pay taxes, you should get something back. Why? It's a contribution to society. Right. It's to help, right? Keep the community safe, right? For police officers. For police, right? firemen. For the mm-hmm. justice system, right? Yeah. Why should we expect something back? And this That's is where I, you know, I, I ask people, I say, just because you pay something doesn't mean it's a quick pro quo, right? You got to look at why am I paying taxes and what are they doing with my tax money, right? And so when you say, hey, well, you know what, wouldn't you want them to pay taxes? Well, of course we do, but they shouldn't expect food stamps. They shouldn't expect all this other stuff, right? They should be helping all of us, you know, as a community to be surviving and thriving. And so these are some of the things that discussions that we have to have, right? Because a lot of times they say, well, we pay taxes. Well, but you're here illegally. So let's think about that, right? So would you rather pay taxes and be here illegally or would you rather us, you know, send you back because you are illegal? One of the things a lot of people say, hey, Greg, even if you wanted to bring, make people uh, citizens, how would you do it? How would you do it, right? Would you send them to Mexico and have them start over? And the answer is no. We don't have to send them to Mexico. Do you know we have sovereign territory in the state of Colorado? And what sovereign territory means is that there's lands that the federal government does not control at all. The federal laws don't apply there. These are reservations. These are the Native American reservations. We have two reservations in the state of Colorado, the Mountain Ute and the Southern Ute. And they're over there in the the four corner area, right? So imagine for a minute if we ask illegals, go to the reservation, we're gonna process you in back into Colorado and you're gonna have the work permit. You're gonna have all this stuff, right? But we're meeting the guidelines because in the reservations, none of the federal laws apply. That, but how do the people in the reservations feel about that? You know, just have well, think an, about it another a couple, 10 grand, 10,000 people just come in. Well, think about it. Have, have you been to the reservations? I haven't. Okay. No. They're not very wealthy. Okay. Because there is no federal programs in there. But if we said, hey, look, as, a, as an agreement, we have to write this down, right? We're going to build apartment complexes in here. We're going to put water. We're going to put sewer. We're going to put all this, right? Because once we process people in... It's yours. It belongs to you. We left, what, $89 billion of military equipment Just in Afghanistan? <laughs> Quite a bit. It's ridiculous. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what if we helped, right, the economy of the reservations, right? If you haven't been to the reservations, they still live in these little huts without doors, without windows, dirt floors. It is truly a lot of third world country. How would a process like that go? Because, like we said before, the money's got to come from somewhere. Well, like, think about it. What, what are they? What are, you think? Like, uh, people would back you on that? On like to do something like Look, that? Look, it's a discussion, right? We gotta have. We gotta think outside the box, right? We got a problem, right? I'm a problem solver. Let's look for solutions yeah. instead of problems. Look, I'm not a problem observer, right? So if there's a problem, let's throw some solutions on the table. Let's kick it around, right? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But let's have that conversation. Let's not just close our eyes and hope it goes away, because it's not. 
So we must start having difficult conversations about truly what's happening in our country and what's going on in the lives of our communities and our families. We must have difficult conversations, but we must have compassion and empathy, right? We got to remember, these are people. They're not numbers. These are individuals and yeah. they matter. Yeah, for sure. So, so with all that being said, uh, what makes Greg Lopez different from other people who are who are running or different from our current governor, different from from like Heidi? Well, I can tell you this, look, you know, and maybe it's not their fault, you know, 100%, because they grew up in a certain lifestyle, right? Our current governor, some people will say he's worth 600 million, others will say he's worth 300 million. It's a lot right? of zeros either way, huh? But exactly, right? <laughs> he spent $23 million of his own money to become governor. And we've seen, he really doesn't understand me and you. He could care less about us, right? Specifically rural Colorado. He's got no emotional intelligence. He looks at things, he uses the term science, right? He uses numbers. He forgets that all those numbers have people attached to them, right? He thinks it's like an accounting spreadsheet. All I gotta do is balance it, right? That's not what it's about. And so what makes me different is I don't forget where I come from. You know, and you know, even Heidi, you know, Heidi is very successful, which is great. That's what the American dream is all about. But you gotta be able to connect with people. You gotta be able to go wherever it is that people are struggling, right? Look, you ask me if I'm around, you say, hey, Greg, can you help me dig a ditch? Sure I can, right? I'm not all that in a bag of chips, man. You know, I don't forget where I come from. You know, there's nothing that I would ask someone to do that I would not do, okay? And this is the other things is that we must again remember that I'm working for you. You're my boss. Right now the governor believes he is our boss. He tells us what we should be doing. And that it should be the other way around, you know? And so if you want someone that truly understands that people matter and that this is about our individual freedoms and liberties and our right to live the dream the way we want to live it, then you need to vote for Greg Lopez. If you like what's going on right now, then maybe you should vote for the same person. But I ask people all the time, is your quality of life better today than it was four years ago? And then ask yourself, if it's not, what do we need to change? Because we either make a change or we get more of the same because we know exactly what he's trying to do. And he's trying to turn Colorado into California. Everything that's happening in Colorado today is coming from California. So, you know, I tell the governor when I'm speaking, you know, you know, if he wants to live in California, just move to California, right? Leave us alone. Colorado is a state that really needs to be run by the people, not a powerful, rich elitist. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, well, where, where can people find you? Find some more, some more of your stuff. Yeah, Give I mean, our, like our I said, go again. to Lopez2022.com. You know, they can go to my website, learn more about me, follow us on Facebook. You know, always ask around as to, hey, is Greg going to be speaking in our community? Invite us. Invite us out, right? We'll come out. If my schedule allows, I'll come out and talk to people. Because, again, it's important for me to keep my hand on the pulse of the community, you know? And this is how we do it. We, we govern by making sure we understand the challenges. You know, the government that governs best is a government that governs less. 
because that means you get to live your own life that's good well thank you for for coming on we you appreciate bet. your time it's my pleasure anytime very busy yeah. very i know you like we said you have a busy schedule and stuff but we appreciate you making time and then for also for the audience for yeah. people so they could yeah. see the, the this side of, of greg lopez exactly. and stuff and not yeah. not just what they read in, in the news or right. all that stuff look and i'm going to tell you i'm not perfect right you know we all make mistakes i've made my mistakes and i'll continue to make mistakes the problem is we got to learn from them right we learn from our mistakes. And so, you know, I don't want anybody to believe or think for a minute that I'm perfect, because I'm not. There was only one perfect man that ever walked this earth, and we nailed him to the cross. So none of us are perfect, but we must always remember our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because without him, we're nothing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, yeah. great. Couldn't have said it any better. To end it, yeah, appreciate it. And uh, well, for everybody, I mean, check out Greg's stuff. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a big big candidate for this stuff. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you, I appreciate and, it. Coming coming around the corner, and mm -hmm. we'll be in touch with the. We got the primaries on the twenty eighth. The twenty eighth. Right? You know, so I need an army. I need okay. an army of volunteers out there to say, hey, we want to help this guy. We want to make him the next governor of Colorado because I'm going to get out of Spain, right? And they're going to shut down my social media but they can't shut down a word of mouth campaign. So if you guys are interested in helping us, go to my website, lopez2022.com. Be a part of this movement. Be a part of history. All right, guys, be sure to subscribe to keep keep uh, checking up on, on our new uh, videos coming up. And, you know, thank you for being Give here. And, uh, yeah, just, just remember, guys, an act of rebellion is yeah. the question. Thanks. Underrated, Thanks, Ray. Right. I bet you. Cool.